Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Best Phone Plans Podcast. This is episode 25. So Dennis, cheers on episode 25. We are a quarter of the way to 100, which is pretty exciting. In today's show, Dennis and I are talking about AT&T building a better version of public Wi-Fi, which I think is super exciting. We're going to be talking about a 5G demo from Movandi and how they're using their millimeter wave repeater to expand the coverage of millimeter wave. We're going to be talking about Boost Mobile and how they're partnering with DraftKings and some updates on the sort of race to 5G and where the 5G networks stand today. Uh, so before we dive into it, Dennis, how are you doing today? Doing stellar. Closed on the house. Got the keys to it. So nice, that's plus. Nice. I'm, I'm really excited for you, Dennis. And I noticed you're wearing that classic green beanie. Well, I don't want to be book. yelled at by Austin. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, But how about you, Stetson? I know you're probably feeling pretty refreshed. Yeah, yeah. I just got back from uh, a trip. I actually brought with me two iPhone 12s. And on one, I was doing dual SIM, personal number, and Verizon. And on the second phone, I was doing Los Mobile on AT&T. And we have um, T-Mobile Magenta Max, courtesy of Austin. So... I'm doing Thank well. You. I'm excited. Uh, comments in the chat. Dennis, you want to address these in the YouTube live stream? Yeah, I just wanted to say thank you to everybody that's uh, congratulating me. And yeah, Chime, uh, stay tuned for the after show because I am going to be doing something that I think the fans are going to really appreciate. I came up with another one of my wild ideas. But let's get into the meat and potatoes of the today's show with the first topic. AT&T uh, opening up Wi-Fi trials in Austin. Yeah, so I thought this was really exciting when I saw it, and Dennis, I'd love to hear your thoughts. So here's what's going on. Basically, we have the WBA. What is the WBA? That is the Wireless Broadband Alliance, okay? And they have this thing called the Open Roaming Initiative. The whole idea here with the Open Roaming Initiative is basically to make Wi-Fi a lot like cellular, where instead of having to, like, you know when you go to a hotel, right, Dennis? And you're checking it like, what's the Wi-Fi? And you're like, all right, you got to enter your room number and then you got to enter your password and then you maybe connect. And then the moment, I mean, the moment your device goes to sleep, what does it do? It disconnects. What kind of experience is that? So it's terrible. AT&T, they're on the board of the Wireless Broadband Alliance. And so they did a demo of this future vision of Wi-Fi. The idea... It's like a cellular network where your phone automatically connects. It's seamless. It's easy. No passwords, no nothing. Anytime you're within coverage, your phone links up. And yeah, this was really exciting to, to for me to see. Uh, this was reported by Fierce Wireless. They had the story here. Uh, and yeah, I was really excited to see this. Dennis, uh, what are your thoughts on what AT&T is doing and kind of this whole initiative? You know, it's going to surprise you when I say this, but I'm not impressed at all. This problem's already been solved. This problem's uh, already been solved. Yes. Dennis, I'm curious to learn more. What do yes. you mean by this? I mean, does AT&T's test even matter? Well, two two parts. One, um, well, three parts. One, companies like Comcast, remember I talked about like their Xfinity Wi-Fi hotspots in Pittsburgh? Yep. 
already do this thing, right? You sign in one time with your Comcast password and your phone remembers and it connects to all the Wi-Fi. So Comcast already doing something like that in like 39 states. Okay. Two, companies like Google, remember when Fi came out, they like marketed how like your Google phone is going to be so smart and connect to any free and public Wi-Fi and stuff like that. Phones can already figure that out. Already could do that too. Okay. And then three, uh, if one of those two circumstances doesn't apply, that's where your cell phone provider comes in. You just use LTE or in this case 5G. Like why do I want to connect to this unsecure un- <laughs> Wi-Fi connection when I could connect to blazing fast 5G, right? That's the whole point of paying for the cell phone, right? Yeah, yeah. No, that is, I think this is why you're on the show, man. You're bringing up some really good points. And it's almost like, uh, it sounds like, we're first of all, we're already doing this. Example being Xfinity Mobile and what they're doing with their Xfinity hotspots. And on the other hand, if you're using a phone, you can connect directly to a 5G network, which is likely going to be as fast, if not faster, than public Wi-Fi. Is that right? 100% going to be faster because the wi-fi spectrum that's like available out there is very congested right it's very limited and uh also wi-fi inherently doesn't do too well when it comes to rage and propagation right like you're probably getting maybe what like a thousand maybe 1500 square feet something like that sure sure which if that's the limit or the range i would much rather see at put up another one of the millimeter wave sites with a nice five, you know, fiber back all to it and get like two gig speeds, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I guess you know now that you put it that way. Initially, when I read this article, I was super excited about this initiative, and it, it brought me back, Dennis, to my old days of using an iPod Touch, fourth generation, having no cell service whatsoever, and literally like thirsting for Wi-Fi, going into the McDonald's, going into the Starbucks, connecting, and just trying to use my iPod that way. Um, but if yeah, this no. was 2010, I'd be ecstatic because 3G, you know, kind of was Garbo and Wi-Fi was great. Now we got the reverse, right? 5G is way better than Wi-Fi, unless we're talking about Wi-Fi 6E, which no device supports at the moment, right? Yeah. Aside from yeah. like the S21. So I don't know. I think it's cool. I think free Wi-Fi is great. I just think that at and is trying to solve a ball uh, a problem that has already been solved in indirect or direct ways already so they should put their efforts and focus elsewhere yeah basically i mean they can have it i'll put it this way if if they had a three-layer cake you know that like timo likes to talk about this can be their little icing as like a stopgap in places to that maybe they don't have a lot of spectrum assets or something like that um but overall i just i just don't think it's worth putting too much time into i mean the only the only thing that's exciting about it is the the use case that you says that's in like oh no i'm a young teenager with an ipod free wi-fi yippity um and anybody can use it right it doesn't sound like you have to actually be an at&t customer right like i think they're letting anybody yeah. use it yeah. so there's like the two main pros but i don't know i wouldn't even if i had the opportunity i wouldn't connect like wi-fi like that is inherently not secure um Unless you have like a VPN or something that you're going to be using, but I don't yeah, know. I, I think they are trying to focus a little bit more on security with this open roaming initiative and what they're doing. Um, yeah, good points, Dennis. Do you think this could, in, in some way, 
be sort of a, a stopgap or be part of a mid-band network? Like, obviously, this is Wi-Fi and in no way related to the cellular networks. Like, this is public Wi-Fi. But is that uh, like a sort of a viable option to some degree or is it not even worth it? I think the range is just too small. Like, this would be more like this would be more like a millimeter wave, like densification, like stadiums and stuff. Like the, like the range yeah. is just, just due to the specification of the Wi-Fi. Like you can't put that much power. The range is really poor. I mean, I don't know. I I, I don't know. Like yeah, I, yeah. I, I appreciate the sentiment. I appreciate the sentiment that AT and T is going for. I just I don't see who this solves, especially now that we're all pretty much spending more time in our houses anyway. Yeah, no, I, I hear you on that. I guess to kind of tie this up, I mean, I do think it's a good initiative. I do wish connecting to Wi-Fi was easier for more locations. And I do think this can play a role in helping us get there. So the Wireless Broadband Alliance is kind of this group of companies uh, that are supporting this effort, including Cisco, AT&T, Comcast, Google, Samsung, American Tower, Boingo Wireless, Deutsche Telekom, Deutsche Telekom, excuse me, and Intel. And so I do think that, you know, this does have some legs behind it. I'm excited to see it propagate to more places like you're in an airport and suddenly connecting to that is easier. Uh, things like that for maybe customers who don't get, you know, they're not paying the premium for Verizon's yeah. ultra wideband or whatever. The but airport like scenario, like the airport scenario is a good one where I could see that being behooving hotels or oh, another yes. scenario where that could be behooving and great. Uh, and like things like that, but these are also like the same places that are going to be the first to get millimeter away from all the carriers, right? Like when you're in the airport, millimeter yeah, is going to be yeah. there, right? That's, yeah, I, I didn't think about it, but then it's now that you bring it up. It's like, you know, why do you Wi-Fi when millimeter wave can just be so much better and and secure? And I will just say, I saw some comments in the live chat. They were saying like Wi-Fi is really important for people on limited data plans, which I do agree on that. If you're budget conscious, you know, try not to use your cell phone data. I could see connecting to Wi-Fi being important, but my my counter report to the, retort to that is that the writing is on the wall with five G around the corner. Like unlimited is going to be the future. Like data, like tiered data plans are going to be the way of the dodo bird. Similar to how like similar to how they don't charge you for minutes anymore, right? Or they don't charge you for text. Unlimited yeah. texting, unlimited minutes. Data is going to be the same thing. I feel like like tier data is going to go away eventually or at the very least it's going to be so large that like it really is listically ain't going to matter you know yeah no i hear you on that so i mean it's a cool initiative but dennis i i think uh you brought up some really great points so let's move on to kind of the second story i wanted to cover here and this is this is actually really Juicy. exciting yeah. in terms of 5g so uh, do you want to take this one in terms of what was going on yeah, so Mavandi uh, demoed one of their 5G millimeter wave repeaters. Um, and essentially what this tech is going to do is it's going to solve one of the major pain points with millimeter wave, which is propagation and range. So that is super exciting. Um, basically, um, they're a little small. If you haven't heard of them, they're a startup company. Uh, they started developing RF chips and integrated the antenna modules with fancy software and stuff like that to achieve this end goal. Um, and I think from their tests, they were able to space, what, up to a thousand meters apart? 
between the base yeah, stations? So, so what they were doing in the test is, uh, again, this is from Fierce Wireless, and I'll put these links in the show notes. Uh, what they were doing is they were testing the range of millimeter wave 5G in a car. And this specific application was using a Movandi-powered repeater to boost, as you mentioned, Dennis, the signal strength and speed of millimeter wave while driving inside of a car. So uh, normally a millimeter wave network setup has towers or millimeter wave nodes about 500 meters apart. And this lets you connect to one. And then when you get to the edge of that range, kind of transition and hand off to another node. With the repeater, they were getting such good range and performance. In theory, you could space the nodes apart and move them from 500 meters to a thousand meters apart and still get that seamless connectivity and seamless handoff switching. I was really excited for this. They demoed it specifically in a car and kind of pitched this for 5G connected cars. But I thought this was almost more beneficial just for consumers. Like mm -hmm. just think of building out a city, right? Like, what do you think? Is this is this for cars or is this better just for everyone else? I think this is all the above and is exciting. And it kind of touches on what Sneed was talking about with how Millimeter Wave does have legs and it's important. And I'm really glad that Movandi is coming up with this tech since it solves one of those major pain points. And, you know, Millimeter Wave really is the 5G experience that we're all hoping for, right? It's got the lowest latency. It's got those incredible speeds. I mean, just incredible speeds. So very cool stuff. I like that they demoed it in a car, actually, because if you think about it, you know, most people when they're using their cell phones right they're not just chilling at like one little light pole right they're actually driving through the city so it's cool that this has legs especially when we start talking about like the promises of like self-driving vehicles and stuff like that right that future so i'm really happy i'm really glad that they made this breakthrough like this is exciting stuff i i love this as well and this is i think going to be really huge likely in the deployment and development of Verizon's network is what i think they really had a heavy focus on millimeter wave 5G in the beginning of the 5G era. So I think they could really benefit from these repeaters to help spread and improve the propagation characteristics of the millimeter wave signal they're sending out. Uh, with cars in, in particular, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, Dennis, like, I was almost like, well, I kind of want the processing to just be done locally on the car. Because let's say you're out driving in a more rural location without a cellular connection, I wouldn't want the car having to rely on some server elsewhere to pro to process all of this data in, in real time or near real time. I would want it just locally on the car. I agree with that sentiment, but I feel like there's certain things that need to be downloaded. Like, let me give you an example real quick. Say sure. you say you wanted to Google Maps yourself, like from like point A to point B, right? Classic. Yep. Well car needs to have connectivity to the gps for positioning purposes also needs to have a data connection so that car can find out the fastest route for you right that is About that like, is helpful <laughs> you <laughs> right? know what i mean getting there reasonably quick you know don't want to go take a wrong turn at albuquerque or whatever right or if there was a wreck or something that blocks off route 80 or whatever right like it, kind of important to know right and then, like, there's other, like, information and stuff, like, that I feel like is going to be baked into this algorithm that's always punching. So having, like, 
as close to real-time connectivity as possible is probably pretty important. Like, uh, maybe it's data on, like, stop signs and stuff like that, like, when the light's going to be green, uh, just as an example. I, I mean, I'm not, look, sure. I'm not, like, super fancy with the code or up on it, but, like, I imagine that having that connection is probably pretty important. Um, but on the topic of the car, uh, I did have an idea, so to speak, that I think would be really cool. What if all cars had, like, a booster inside to oh, boost whoa. cell phone signal? That's insane. I, they might have actually touched on this in the article, but it's like vehicles become repeaters themselves exactly. and they continue to repeat the signal. Yeah, that would be that would be really good. I mean, dude, that would be great. That would be the most ultimate mesh network possible for like 5G. It would be insane. And the cars would be connecting themselves and allowing other vehicles to connect as well. I think that's that's the future of transportation in cities, I think. And I think that's probably the best use case. In cities, when it's dense, there's a lot of congestion. This is where this network can thrive. And I also think if you're just a commuter and you're using public transportation like a bus, like imagine if a bus had one of these repeaters in it and instead of getting like garbage, I don't know if they even offer in-bus Wi-Fi or something, you get blazing fast gigabit per second speeds over millimeter wave. How cool would that be? That would be sick. And on the topic of buses, man, I know we kind of are we glazed over this previous topic, but that's where AT&T should be putting their focus on that Wi-Fi hotspot thing. Public transport. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, though, I'm going to be honest, though. Do you have a lot of buses where you're at, Stetson? Because, like, in Pittsburgh, man, like, there's, there might be, like, three bus routes. Like, there are no buses, like, anywhere. It's interesting. I know. So when I was at Ithaca College, the Ithaca, the town of Ithaca did have public transportation, which is what made me think of it. I didn't have a car there. So I was taking that to go grocery shopping, etc. And in Longmont, I know they do have a good public bus system. I truthfully don't know the routes and haven't taken it and don't really plan on taking it. Uh, but I was thinking more in cities where it's more common, like in the city of Denver to have a, you know, a bus route. Uh, well, I'm where... thinking. Yeah. What I are mean, you thinking? I'm... I mean, I'm thinking of my experiences in cities like college campus. Yeah, Penn State, dude, having a bus was legit. Like, I remember H route, wherever it was, for uh, my apartment complex that so we had to pay for it anyway. Got on the <laughs> rides, like, like it was great. Like, it was awesome. But thinking about Pittsburgh, like Pittsburgh's a city, and like buses, there's not that many routes, and they're very poor, and they don't go to too many places. Like. The only cities that I think have good public transport are like New York, San Francisco, maybe Detroit, and I'm running out of places. Maybe Florida, <laughs> maybe Florida, like some places in Florida, like Disney World, because of Disney World yeah. and stuff like that. But like, dude, public transport in the U.S. is not not stellar. It's garbaggio. Where's that trash can emoji I just added to the chat? throw that in there but no i think you're right maybe in europe it would have a bigger role being able to yeah. utilize this oh um, yeah korea korea would oh. be the biggest and they already have millimeter wave or they have c band or not c band but mid band 5g deployed already right 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 honestly though i just thought of i thought of something that might be cool though airplanes what if they oh what if they could figure out a way to like basically beam terrestrial signals up to the plane so when they're flying over like the u.s and stuff instead of relying on like a satellite connection to get your in-flight wi-fi you're relying on like beautiful 5g instead for that back <laughs> off you're like flipping it instead of 
beaming it down from a satellite you're beaming it up from the ground that would be that would be really cheeky and then also um you know i know this i know this is gonna surprise you but trains Dude, that doesn't surprise me at all that seems perfect i was gonna say because actually in the u.s man you could take trains across the country like if you don't want to fly like say you, i don't know maybe you don't like flying for whatever reason you there's actually a lot of train routes though like yeah yeah 100 which is more common than buses ironically that is a little weird. I never thought about that. Yeah. I think you're right. I would. I think the Wi-Fi application's probably better in trains, uh, you know, but um, because I feel like those would go through more rural locations. Oh, they most definitely would. So we'll have to wait and see on that. Either way, I'm really excited. If you haven't heard of Movandi, they are, as Dennis mentioned, doing really cool stuff in the 5G space, really trying to help millimeter wave signal travel as far and as fast as possible. So check them out if, if you're interested in learning more about them and what they're doing and uh, how Verizon may be able to utilize their technology and their repeaters to boost their signal and provide better 5G coverage in your city. So moving on off of this topic, Stetson, you want to talk about what's going on with the CBRS spectrum? That's cool. CBRS spectrum. Yeah, we had a story here. This is This is a pretty quick one. I mean... Uh, basically we had the pandemic, right? You know, that's still going on in case you missed it. It's here. Uh, and I think one of the biggest, I don't know, industry area, Dennis, what would you call this? It's schools. Like, what is that? It's education. Maybe that's, maybe it's an industry. I think it was one of the biggest ones to be affected by this. Public and sector. Public sector. Thank you. Yeah. I think that's great. And basically what was going on is you had all these students, they were in school coronavirus came out they were no longer in school they're at home they're trying to do all this learning online what happens communities need connectivity to make that learning possible and what we saw was you know you could get a hotspot, right and as you could grab a, a MiFi or a netgear you could throw a sim in there and provide some internet um, but like what are the speeds typically when you're out in these rural communities are you getting millimeter wave that ultra capacity ultra high band are you getting like 10 to 20 her many megahertz blocks of like band five or something? You're still shaking your head at that. What are you getting out there? You're getting like a five by five block of band 12 or band <laughs> 71 from T-Mobile. You're getting like a 10 by 10, maybe 15 by, maybe 20 by 20 of band like 17 from like AT&T and uh, Verizon. Uh, and your speeds, you're probably getting anywhere between three megabit per second and 20 megabit per second on your download and for your upload you're getting anywhere between one and like 10 megabits per second so not great right no and that's that's for one person what if you had like 20 students trying to connect to one of these hotspots? how would that perform well that tower is gonna cry <laughs> so you've got a crying tower you've got crying students and you've got out of crying teachers it's not a good scenario uh, so the idea here is that, you know, in addition to Wi-Fi and trying to use that, it's possible that we could use the CBRS spectrum that um, is available to try and build out and boost cellular networks and create networks with greater connectivity, greater capacity, and greater speeds, especially in areas that, that need that and that don't have the existing infrastructure or uh, systems in place to allow for the students to stay connected. So we were seeing, I think it was a partnership with uh, 
AT&T where, uh, or excuse me, it was basically in Tucson, Arizona. They were working on a project to help use CBRS Spectrum to build a network to allow students and enable students to stay connected. And they were using some, I think some local providers there to, to make that possible. Which is literally ingenious because in those rural communities, the schools are pretty much their own little fire hub. Like they're the main places where the back, like the back hall's already there. So it's real simple to get a cell tower up and just start working your way throughout that rural community instead of having to, you know, get all the permitting and put up a new cell site and doing all that fun stuff, right? Like these schools are prime real estate, so to speak, for this stuff, whether it be because they have a football field where there's a huge stadium with tall lights that you can put your equipment on or whatever needs to be done. It's very – I don't want to call it plug and play, but like a lot of the groundwork is already done there. You know what I mean? Right, so right. I'm glad I'm glad this is happening. Uh, I'll be interested to see what the uh, long-term effects are as we, you know, wind our way out of the pandemic to see if this is something that kind of continues onward because, um, you know, I think every school, um, you know, should have, you know, mid-band and like cell sites around. I mean, if you think about it, uh, you know, growing up, you know, I'm sure you went to your local high school's football games, right? Right, right. Or or um, when there was events that happened in your community, maybe – Maybe it's a uh, green earth day or something like that. It probably happened at your local school, right? It's kind of like a big community center, so to speak. So it, it, it attracts audiences, you know, having that good coverage there is great and it can be multifactored in purpose for schooling. Maybe it's job fairs, right? I, I know a lot of job fairs happen at schools too. So absolutely. Yeah. And uh, this article from Fierce Wireless kind of lists that a lot of people, majority of people are in favor of some kind of hybrid learning approach where you have in-person learning experiences, and there is remote learning that is also available. Maybe if the weather isn't good, you don't want students commuting in when it's snowy or icy outside. Rip, uh, rip Gen Z in snow days then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dennis. Oh, man, that's actually a really good point. Snow days were the best. <laughs> I hope those are still able to happen to some capacity. Um, but yeah, I think, I think this is really good. As you mentioned, fiber's there. It'll not only provide access for the students, but hopefully for the community. Maybe they could use this at local libraries or other public locations where people do work and it would help be helpful and beneficial for them. And yeah, hopefully it just increases speed and capacity to really bring connectivity to, to more places. The only thing I will just say is I hope that in areas where schools are partnering with larger companies like AT&T, that AT&T doesn't try to pull an AT&T, if you know what I mean. Like, I want to see the school actually be able to get out the hotspots to students for free type of deal to have their yeah. connectivity yeah. and not see AT&T try to turn us into a profit motive. Like, I get it. They're a private business, but sometimes you got to do things for the greater community. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. And it did uh, mention in the article that while the hotspots worked as kind of a stopgap, some districts are facing very high cell phone bills for the usage of their students. And I, I do believe T-Mobile, AT&T, and Verizon, I think they offered some certain initiatives to help reduce those costs during the last year. Um, but still, if you have just at scale, depending on the size of the school and what's being used, that can really add up in costs. And uh, that's well, expensive. Well, what I'll just say is this. A lot of times... I know this is so ironic, but I'm, I'm going to do a good guy Comcast story here for a second. Oh, my gosh. Okay. 
a lot of times. Is, is there a sponsorship you're not telling me about right now? No, but a lot of times your incumbent ISPs, when they you know get their monopolies in areas, in their little franchise agreements, there'll be clauses that say things like, you know, public building gets free channels for broadcasting, or public building gets free connectivity for X, Y, and Z thing, right? It's like part of like it's part of the like monopoly agreement, so to speak, right? Um, so I know that like low income schools that were like I'm talking real low income, like ones that couldn't even get the grants and stuff, you know, they get like free connectivity. And I feel like this should be like one of those situations that's an extension of that, right? Like if ISPs like Comcast or Spectrum or Cox and others can do this to get a monopoly in the area and still generate a crazy profit, I'm pretty sure AT&T can find it in the bottom of their very deep coffers uh, to allow the schools to provide internet connectivity to the students, uh, even if there's some type of throttling that needs to take place. Like, I'm sure they can figure out something that is agreeable you right, know right they don't have and, to and milk affordable it. like even if you do have to charge for it so it doesn't you know lose the money like 10 bucks it. a month like if yeah. you're gonna like do something low cost like like it doesn't because i know the price that they're charging and it's not beautiful right right either way i think the the technology is there with cbrs and i'd be interested if any uh companies are able to leverage c-band at all but cbrs is there it'll be utilized it'll potentially be really huge and have a lasting impact, not only from the last year, but kind of continue to be built out uh, in years to come, which is uh, super good. Also on a side note, expanding on that, I know AT&T actually already does this. Like fun fact, um, if you get AT&T to put like a cell tower in your yard, yeah, they will give you free cell phone service as well, as far oh. as like their easement. Um, I know this because when I worked at the gas station, um, there was like a girl. Uh, she owned like a ranch. Okay. She had the AT and T cell site on her yard. She was the reason why my small town had AT and T good coverage. So obviously she had that fiber that was ran there that was delicious. But she also got like the free AT and T service. Like they didn't charge her for it. It was a pretty like cool deal. You know what I mean? Yeah, that um, is really cool. And like uh, like I said, other ISPs do the same thing whenever they ha put their their head ends or other stuff like on your property. Like if you're living like right on a head end or something like that, I mean you're you're literally like living in the building like say as an apartment or something. They're gonna give you like discounted service a lot of times as part of like the easement for allowing them to put their stuff there. You know. Right. Right. Absolutely. And it makes sense. It makes sense. Like that's part of the compensation package, and I Which think should. Which, if the schools are doing something with their property, right, with the cell towers, right, because that's what's happening, right? They're making space on the public land for those for companies like AT and T to put their equipment up, right? Like that's what's going on. Um, I think in some areas it might be. I think it's more that they're using the CBRS spectrum to deploy these newer networks. Mm, gotcha. So, but either way, like, I really do hope that. We're able to provide faster, more reliable connectivity to students to really help with that learning um, because and key, yeah, that's important. And the key is affordability, though. I mean, there's lots of high-speed options, but it's not affordable for all. Right, right. And making those affordable. But, uh, oh, sorry. I think we should move on. That's, that's I do. What I was... Yeah, no, yeah, me too. Let's talk about Boost. Some Boost. We should make some bets on Boost. Betting sorry. how quickly they'll go bankrupt, or what are we betting? <laughs> I think we, I don't know. I was trying to come up with some kind of pun. Um, the story of, I don't even know when this happened. I feel like it was very recent. Yesterday, today, something like that. 
Boost Mobile announced they are working with DraftKings as their newest partner. Uh, Dennis, what are your thoughts when you hear this story? I think of beer. <laughs> uh, I also think of really bad microtransactions on mobile apps. Oh, yeah. Uh, but no, jokes aside, aren't they aren't they like a sports betting company? Yep. So my understanding with DraftKings is you can make, uh, I want to say drafts or maybe bets on how games will go, maybe bets on plays, things like that. The truth is I don't really follow the fantasy sport or the real life sports industry, to be quite honest. Uh, but either way, it is for betting. And what's going on here with the partnership is Boost Mobile subscribers are eligible to get monetary rewards when they sign up for Draft DraftKings and make a deposit. Now, this is betting, so there are different rules in different states, but the possible perks include, and these do vary by state, but they, the options are $50 credit when you deposit $5 or more and place a bet, $3 of credit when you deposit $5 and enter a daily contest, and I believe I saw up to a 20% bonus on your initial deposit for select states. And the other kind of weird thing about this is it's actually not available in all states because some states have uh, banned or restricted betting on sports and fantasy sports. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, um, I, I'm just waiting for the news story where we see a lawsuit against Boost Mobile. Yeah, I, I don't know. This, this doesn't really sit super well for me because my understanding when we talk with Peter, right, Boost Mobile appealed to subscribers who maybe were a little bit more budget conscious wanted a good experience, were more value-oriented, and to hit them with these incentives to be gambling and placing bets, that just doesn't feel right to me. I mean, yeah, no, I, I, I think it's a terrible move. I'm, I'm Like I said, I'm waiting for the part where they get sued because like, <laughs> I can see this going really wrong. Like, there's a reason why gambling typically only happens in, like, Nevada, right? And there's a reason why the places that do, like, online poker and stuff like that typically aren't companies hosted in the US. It's because there's a lot of rules. And I'm just waiting for the part where like little Timmy um, you know, buys like fifty dollars worth of DraftKings betting money uh and just starts gambling away even though they're like under eighteen, you know what I mean? Like this is yeah, prepaid. Yeah. You're not getting socials to verify age. Like anybody can get a prepaid card. You know what I'm saying? It's true. It's true. It's true. Uh, so I can see big big problems coming up that um, I mean it like literally like I could see a lawsuit happening from this and I just I just wonder why like I wonder why of all partnerships why would you partner with DraftKings like how does this relate to cell phone service and who in the right mind is going to pick boost mobile because they get an extra um <laughs> credit on their on their gambling Dennis that's actually my number one qualifying factor when picking a cell phone plan it's not how many minutes I get not data not data speeds forget coverage who cares about coverage it's all about the DraftKings bonus when I sign up oh man no you're so right I mean this is ridiculous I I can understand kind of where boost is coming from they're looking for partners. They're looking to add value to their service. You know, we have Verizon offering Disney Plus, Hulu, ESPN Plus with their plans and trials of Apple Music and Discovery Plus. Of course, AT&T, what are they offering? The sweet, sweet HBO Max. 
And of course, we have T-Mobile working with Netflix, and I think they might be working with some other partners or exploring other options as well. Um, so I, I kind of get Boost is looking for an avenue to add value to their service in some way, but DraftKings? Really? Yeah, it's it's not the move, Chief. This is not it. Uh, what what do you think if they were to do something like U.S. Mobile does, where they just reimburse you for a subscription of your choice? I think that would be very prosumer, and I think that's very behooving because then you don't have to actually worry about making direct contracts with said companies, which is awesome. You get that flexibility. And if you really wanted to, you could specify the credit. So when Netflix and, and co do things like price hikes, you have a set credit that you'll apply up to. So I think that's smarter. Um, alternatively, um, didn't Boost prior to Boost being sold by Sprint used to give you like Amazon Prime or something like that? Um, oh, that is a really good question. I think I remember they bundled with Tidal and you might be right on Prime. I know Prime is Metro by T-Mobile right now. I'm just not 100% sure on that. I mean, the point that I'm more so getting towards is like there are better partnerships that are very easy to happen. Well, I, I don't know if they're easy per se, but like there are like way better partnerships that make way more sense. Like you could do Amazon Prime. You could do what's a streaming service that isn't currently bundled with someone. Um, let's see. Come on. Well, there's you like Crunchyroll, right? Like is that yeah yeah anime? There you go. No one's doing anime. Yo, boost. Boom. Be the supporter of anime. Rock that crowd. Or or gaming you could do like playstation plus xbox live i mean i don't know there's a bazillion other things that aren't gambling and don't have all the legal tape and one misstep get you in a big lawsuit um that i think could have been picked to add value or or you know what i'm gonna be boring how about just give me a discount on my groceries <laughs> but it's so true that would be so great like dang you know Getting a $5 discount on my groceries or something like that, partnering with a local grocery store. I don't know what makes sense. Maybe like. I'm, I'm just saying, like, 10 bazillion things that can be done. And I swear to God, Boost picked the worst possible thing possible. Like, there's not too many other worse ideas that I can think of off the top of my head aside from picking the DraftKings thing. Yeah. Oh, we had, we had someone in the chat, uh, Albertizzi, saying, I see Mobile X supporting anime streaming services. That's interesting. We're, we're still waiting to see what happens with Mobile X. I do think they will partner with someone or offer some sort of value add with their service. I don't think it's going to be related to sports bets. Uh, and the other big disappointing thing for me is the DraftKings app will eventually come pre-installed on phones sold at Boost Mobile. And this means specifically all Android phones sold by Boost because uh, you can't really put pre-installed apps on iPhones. Um, but yeah, that's um, then delicious it's, you, bloatware. Yeah, it's just bloatware. Like, if I'm a customer, I do not want that. That's that's the last thing I want. You I know, active, yeah. You know what, man? I just thought of a good thing. Boost Mobile offers telehealth. They do make make that your perk. But boom, yo, we care about you during COVID. We're giving you free telehealth when you have an unlimited plan with us. I like that. I like that. Yeah. So. The DraftKings partnership is in addition to the $9 a month telehealth subscription they already offer, and they offer a $6 a month privacy add-on. I think they're trying to find ways to generate more revenue and to also add value to their customers, which I totally get. I totally understand. 
I'm with you, Dennis. Like this one just doesn't feel right in my mind for a partnership but for their customers. What I'm saying is, is like for the telehealth perk, make that like included. And yeah, also, yeah. as far as revenue is concerned, Boost Mobiles is more expensive than a lot of other MVNOs out there. So I don't know it's how true. they're not, not making like profit right now. <laughs> and I know they have a good deal with uh, T-Mobile because they're owned by Dish, and Dish currently has an agreement to use T-Mobile towers until Dish gets their network set up. And I think it's. I actually can't remember. I'm not sure if it was three years or seven years they were allowed to use the network. Well, we beat this topic like a dead horse. And <laughs> okay. speaking of horse, AT&T remains last in the three-horse race to 5G. Yeah, I thought that, I thought this was really interesting. Um, so, you know, we had Sasha Segan on from PC Mag, and he's covering, I don't know if he's calling it this or it's just known in the industry, the quote-unquote race to 5G. This is... Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile competing to deploy 5G. And Dennis, like, if you were to just think right now, which carrier do you think is in first, second, and third? How would you rank them right now? Um, mm. Do I believe T-Mobile's marketing hype? I guess, I guess I'd say T-Mobile's number one right now if we're talking accessibility of 5G, I suppose. Verizon would be second and then AT&T would be third. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think that's kind of what this article was getting at. Like in today's world, what we're seeing is T-Mobile obviously kind of made a calculated move. It was cheaper for them to purchase Sprint and get their spectrum than it was to bid in the C-band auction. And they had the spectrum immediately and could deploy it, which they're doing. That's why we have 5G band N41, which is super fast on T-Mobile. And Verizon and AT&T kind of have, had to bid on the C-band spectrum. Uh, and before this, Verizon kind of went all out on millimeter waves. So they actually do have millimeter wave sites where AT&T, I don't, I don't even, they have like, what, five or something? Like, it's just not deployed. Do you even know, Dennis? I don't know. But to be honest, I, I don't, I don't care. Like, AT&T <laughs> is so, like... AT&T's LTE is so good that it's literally 5G, like 18, I mean, you've, I've, I've posted the speed test. AT&T's LTE speed tests are literally the results that I get on T-Mobile's 5G mid-band. Like literally, like I've seen 400, 500, 600 meg over AT&T's LTE. I don't need it to be better. It, it, they could literally just, they already do this anyway. They could just slap an icon, call it 5G, not even 5G, just call it 5G. And I wouldn't know the difference it, outside of ping. I think that is exactly what they tried to do with 5G-E, is just kind of be like, hey, we've got 5G-E. It's a thing. You have 5G in your status bar. Yeah. There's an E there, but don't worry about that. That's that's totally fine. That's normal. That's normal. I mean, it's 5G. It, like, e. I don't know. No, no. To me, personally, no carrier is actually doing the true promise of the 5G. Like, T-Mobile, like, they got the most coverage, but it's mainly predominantly N71, right? Which... Yeah not not like stellar performance it's it's just not uh n41 is great but again the performance we're seeing on n41 is stuff that we saw on like band 41 sites on lte that sprint was doing with their multi mimo and stuff like that with proper backhaul like like no one outside of like verizon with millimeter wave sites is like attaining the promises of what 5g can do and even even then Verizon still ain't fulfilling that either because the anchor for upload is still over LTE and they're still missing all the, the core upgrades that need to happen to get that super ultra low latency. Yeah. So to me, 
5G still a baby. Like it's exciting. We got in our beak wet a little bit in certain markets, but overall, I don't think anybody's like even close to like the midway point in this race, in my opinion. Sure, sure. Yeah. So I think a couple of key points I want to mention, and you you already touched on one of them. We'll we'll get to that in a bit. First one, the article from Fierce Wireless is indicating that AT&T is likely six to twelve months behind Verizon in terms of mid-band, specifically mid-band 5G deployment, and about one to two years, excuse me, more than two years behind T-Mobile in terms of mid-band 5G deployment. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I think if we're focusing on mid-band, that's fairly specifically, accurate. Specifically mid-band, yeah. Yeah, if we're specifically focusing on mid-band, I think that's pretty accurate. Um, just because of how long it's going to take for AT&T to get their C-band licenses. Just, right, just right. by the nature of that. Yeah, and because we know Verizon got uh, a pretty huge chunk. I think it's 60 megahertz that's going to be available this fall. I think around December or something. AT and T. What did they? Did they get like 40 megahertz? I'm actually not sure off the top of my head. I do not recall specifically. But they they do have some chunk that's going to become available. This right, and they already had a good amount of mid band to begin with prior to this purchase, like. Right now, it's all split with five-way carry aggregation and stuff like that on LTE. But like, yeah. they could, if they really, really, really wanted to, I mean, they could just re reform it into five G. Right? right. Right. Yeah. And I think you need the specialized antennas. And I wish I learned more about this when uh, reading up on this. But I think my understanding is Verizon, like their existing antennas, I think can propagate the mid-band five G spectrum. So I think that's why they're kind of in the lead. T-Mobile, of course, already has mid-band 5G. That is their band N41 that they got from Sprint. And yeah, I think AT&T is in the last when it comes to mid-band. But the second part of my question, Dennis, was like, does it even matter that AT&T is in last right now when it comes to mid-band 5G? Like, is this is this an important aspect for them? Um, For right now, I don't think it is just because remember seeing a chart um on a different channel i think it was called tech tech ultra's channel he was actually doing a video that i was watching and 5g adoption in the u.s is only at like maybe 13 percent like only like 13 percent of consumers have a 5g phone and even then out of those 13 percent a lot of them don't have plans where they can take advantage of 5g so right now i don't think it matters at all like your everyday consumer just does not care like they do not know they do not care um there's no like app out there that like requires 5g at the moment like facebook over lt is going to work just fine Uber there's, over there's, LTE only, is gonna... there's only one 5g app and it's the ookla speed test app yeah i mean and there's only a small niche of people that care it's right us. right and as you mentioned mentioned earlier dennis like at&t lte speeds are already amazing they're already incredible so AT&T, sure, maybe they're in last for 5G, but I think their overall network performance is still outstanding, and I, I think they're still very strong. And they've been offering some really good promotions and discounts on their phones. I'm excited to see how those continue, although I have heard they're switching from 24-month financing to 36-month financing. Um, Dennis Boo. giving that a big thumbs down. <laughs> Boo. Boo. Yeah, I mean... I mean, if you think about it, man, two years, generally speaking, well, I guess it's not true anymore. I mean, phones are not upgrading as fast as they used to. So maybe, I don't know. Financing yeah. in general, bad, in my Financing, opinion. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, and the final thing that I wanted to touch on here today is that 
Verizon, of course, spent a lot of money and time building out millimeter wave 5G. But today, uh, you know, everything kind of closed down when the virus happened and you didn't really get to enjoy or experience that. So today, millimeter wave 5G, as things are opening back up, we have airports starting to reopen slowly. Venues, concerts and events are starting to open up slowly as people are getting vaccinated and people feel safer going out and the CDC is offering guidelines that make it appropriate to host these kinds of outdoor events, even with limited capacity. Uh, Verizon could actually be in a really good position right now where they can showcase what their 5G network can do. More people actually have 5G phones now. So they can utilize Verizon's millimeter wave 5G network. So yeah, I think it was, we were scratching our heads a little bit at Verizon deploying millimeter wave, uh, even though it was the only 5G they could really deploy when they started. But now that things are opening back up, I think it's going to be really exciting for Verizon customers to be able to experience that. Yeah, no, I agree. Absolutely. All right. I, I think that's pretty much all we had for the podcast. I mean... Anything else you want to touch on before we kind of wrap it up and maybe do an after show for people who are joining us live? No, I'm I'm definitely ready to do the after show um, because I want to talk about your vacation a bit. I want to talk about some purchases for the house a bit. And there's a lot of stuff that is just fun that I don't think will fit too nicely into the podcast. Absolutely. But, but before we wrap it up, I want to thank everybody that came out uh, to watch um, the 25th episode. It's hard to believe. Uh, if you're not already a member of the Patreon, I highly encourage becoming one, which you can join by going to patreon.com slash Doggett or by clicking the join button on the YouTube page because there are some really cool emotes that I see people like Mark are using in the chat that I think you guys will find a lot of fun to use. And there is a ton of extra content behind the scenes that Stetson's been making while well, like his funny blooper videos that I think you all will enjoy. <laughs> Thank you, Dennis. I appreciate that. I want to thank everyone for joining and watching today. I also want to thank Austin for the super chat we had during the live stream. Austin asks, have you ever, will you ever review Boost? If not, why? I think Boost is on the table. I think their value proposition is a little tricky because they're on T-Mobile. And when you compare them to other carriers like Mint Mobile and US Mobile, I think sometimes uh, it just depends on what your needs are, but I will certainly take a look at them and you know share my thoughts. I do have quite a few review videos to make as I'm working on my ultimate AT&T speed test video. But yeah, let me quickly, actually, I just remembered, uh, of course, the Patreon patrons, Patreon supporters. Uh, we always allow them to ask questions during the live stream, uh, which is especially fun when we have guests on, but either way, I just want to quickly check, see if we had any uh, questions for today and then we can address them and if not we'll of course address all questions in the after show as we hang out uh, looks like no questions for today and so that will be it for the podcast thank you all so much for listening and for choosing to support us we really do appreciate it if you're live on youtube stay tuned and we'll be live again in just a few minutes for the after show either way i'm stetson and i'm dennis and we look forward to talking to you in the next episode. Peace. Bye, guys.